Amen. Good morning. Good morning. It is good to be with you all. My experience was so nice, I decided to do it twice. And so here we are for our second service, and I have just been so blessed. Thank you all for uh, your kindness, and thank you, Pastor Tara, for not just your kindness and in inviting me here, but for your friendship, for your inspiration, for your prayers, and for all that you are. I know you all already know what a blessing that you all have here at this church. Amen? Amen. And that's a good place to praise them. And not only Pastor Tara, there are so many wonderful pastors on staff here. You all are just so blessed, so blessed. And so I praise God for uh, all of them. And I saw Elder Bobby Mitchell in the house today, and for many years, uh, he was uh, the regional director for Pacific Union Conference, and so we praise God uh, for you and for your presence here. And um, we already shouted out my husband, but I have to do it because he's my husband. <laughs> and so, Pastor Kurt, we thank you also. And I see some friends out in the audience, and I praise God for you guys, and I love you guys, and all that good stuff. And so, um, if you all would bow your heads with me, we're going to talk about the day of opportunity today. And so our gracious Heavenly Father, God, we feel your presence already in this place. We thank you for joining us here. We thank you for meeting us here. And Father, we ask that now you would speak to us here. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying and give us a heart and feet to follow. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen and amen. Do you all remember that song, um, Humble Me, Humble Me So I Could Do Thy Will? It said things like, you can't get to heaven on roller skates, humble me so I could do thy will, cause you roll right past those pearly gates, humble me so I could do thy will. Anybody remember that song? Okay, 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 good. Um, and I used to love that song. I would sing it all the time until I heard somebody say, you never want God to humble you. Because if God humbles you, it's going to hurt. It's going to be terrible. And so I stopped singing that song because I didn't want to give God mixed messages and think that I wanted him to humble me. And so uh, I decided that I would try to do my very best to humble myself and get myself right because real talk i was a little afraid that if i left my hand my life in god's hands life would be tough um we all well maybe not all of us but some of us have that fear like if we totally surrender to god that he's going to make us become missionaries and move us to somewhere miserable am i the only one he's going to make us give like all our money away or uh, just do something that's going to give us a life of suffering and and there was another song that they often sang when i was growing up 
about what happens when you make Jesus your choice. It said the road is rough, the going is tough, and the hills are hard to climb. And so I knew that I was supposed to trust God, but deep, deep down inside, I wondered if God could be trusted. Now, you don't have to say amen right now, but I reserve the right to ask for an amen later. Um, but if anybody has ever felt like this, if anybody understands what I'm saying, don't say amen, but just blink twice so that I know that, that, that I have some help in here. I see, I see some blinks, I see, and so I feel like we're here. I, I, feel, I feel like you guys get me and I appreciate that. I know that I am not alone. And I want to introduce you to someone else who's right here with us. Uh, his name is General Barack, and he was feeling the exact same way. He didn't know if he could trust what God was saying. He had received a message and an assignment from God, and it seemed crazy. It seemed like he might not make it out alive, and so he completely ignored it. He was looking for some other way to live his life. But then he was summoned by Deborah. She was the leader of Israel. She was both judge and prophet. Follow me to Judges chapter 4. I'll read in your hearing verses 6 and 7. It says, Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinoam from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor? Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and of the sons of Zebulun. And against you, I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river of Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. So here we have Deborah reminding Barack of this conversation he already had with the Lord. And I don't know how you read the verse, but when I read the verse, it gave me anxiety. Uh, because God says, you go and deploy 10,000 troops, and I am going to deploy Sisera, his chariots, and a multitude of soldiers against you. Wait, what? You are going to deploy the enemy against me with the 900 chariots and his innumerable force that has kept us oppressed for the last 20 years? I get why Barack ignored the message from the Lord. Because that sounded rough. It sounded tough. And the hill sounded hard to climb. There was another part of the verse at the end. It said, I will deliver him into your hands. But I'm sure Barack had a hard time understanding how God could do such a thing. So since Deborah was calling him out, he told her, I'll go if you go. But if you're not willing to go, then I'm not going either. Now, I'm not sure what the rationale was behind having Deborah go to battle with him. He may have been testing her. He may uh, have wanted to see if she really believed what she was saying. Listen, if this battle is going to be so victorious, if it's going to be so safe and so full of deliverance, 
then you come. I mean, is it safe enough for a woman? Now, up until now, there had not up, up until never, there has ever been a woman who has gone to battle. Deborah is the only one. And when he asked her to come to the battlefield, her response was, I will surely go with you. Uh, in my head, I think she added, you will see that fighting alongside of the Lord is safe, even for women and children. As a matter of fact, uh, God said that he was going to deliver Sisera, uh, this feared man, this terrible general that you are so afraid of. God is going to deliver him into the hand of a woman. And so they begin their journey. They got their troops, and Sisera hears that uh, he's doing this. And so Sisera decides to get all 900 chariots and, and the multitude of soldiers. And Sisera decides to bring the smoke. He comes for Barak and his measly 10,000 soldiers. And I forgot to mention, it doesn't look like Israel had many, if any, weapons. When Deborah gives the recap in chapter 5, she said there was not a shield or spear seen among 40,000 in Israel. So real talk, this feels like a suicide mission. The road is rough, the going is tough, and the hills are hard to climb. I'm sure Barak was thinking, what am I doing out here? And why am I agreeing to allow God to deploy this terrible enemy against me? He's getting ready to fight. And in my mind's eye, I see him feeling down. And then Deborah comes, verse 14, and she says to Barak, up, for this is the day which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? The day when it looked the worst, God was about to do his best. The day when Barak had been feeling down, Deborah encouraged him, get up. This is the day of opportunity. This is the day that God has delivered Sisera into your hand. And I wonder, did you all notice that it was past tense? She said, God has delivered Sisera into your hand. Get up, Barak. The problem that you've been worrying about, God has already worked it out. That's a word on today. There are some of you who didn't sleep last night because you were so busy worrying about how things were going to turn out. And I'm so glad to tell you that God is already working them out. Deborah said, God has gone out before you. Verse 15, it says, And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. That excites me, that the Lord was out here doing the thing, and he did it before Barak. It can be read two ways. Uh, one way, uh, God was uh, doing it doing all of the heavy lifting before Barak even got there, or God was doing the heavy lifting right in front of him, and he got to see the salvation of the, 
of the Lord. Now, no matter how you decide to read it, at the end of the day, God was confronting all of the things and all of the people that had terrorized and tormented the people of God for decades. God brought them deliverance. Lord, let it be so in our lives that before we get to our problems, we find out that you already solved them. Lord, help us to recognize that we can stop worrying about it because you're already working on it. God, work it out before us. Work it out in our presence so that even though we see a problem, we can also stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Barak was scared. And he was stressed. But because he finally chose to obey, his most stressed day became his most blessed day. That's a good word right there. God, when we choose to obey, uh, would you turn our stressing into a blessing? That's my prayer on today. And I always wanted to know, how did they pull that thing off? And the next chapter tells us. Deborah and Barak, they collabed on a song in chapter 5, and they give us the backstory. They tell us what was happening behind the scenes. Judges chapter 5, verse 12. It says, Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake, sing a song. Arise, Barak, and lead your captives away, O son of Abinoam. Now, one of the things I like about Deborah is that although the other judges were warriors, she was a worshiper. She got up when everyone else was asleep. She took out her weapon of worship. Wake up and worship, Deborah. And then the Bible says that Barak just had to wake up and lead the captives away. Captives are the spoils of a war that's already won that's already fought. Uh, she got up, she worshiped, and now she says, it's your turn to get up and get the spoils. Lead the captives away. And Deborah was trying to teach us something. When we worship, God wars. The Bible tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. He lives and dwells in praise. So if you praise him in a problem, then that means that God is going to dwell there. And somebody tell me, how long can a problem stay a problem when the great problem solver is all in the midst of it? When the praises go up, God comes down. That's probably why verse 13 says, the Lord came down for me against the mighty. Verse 20, it says, they fought from the heavens. The stars from their courses fought against Sisera. That's why Deborah woke up and began to worship. And Barak woke up and started picking up the spoils because God was fighting for them. There are times where you may have to fight. But there are some times that you can just show up for the cleanup. Lord, allow us to see the day of opportunity. God, help us to obey your will and obey your way so that we can see our stressing turned into a blessing. In these battles, sometimes God takes care of it before you get there. Sometimes things are easy, but sometimes 
they're not. Can I introduce you to Paul and Silas? They were in the will and in the way of God, but everything was still hard. They had a dream to come help the people of Philippi. But once they got there, there was this woman that they just couldn't shake. She was demon-possessed and seemed intent on messing up the ministry. They were beaten and thrown into prison. And it was hard until they started doing what Deborah did. When everyone was sleeping at midnight, they were praising and singing songs to the Lord. And it was hard right up to that part. But then as they began to sing, the prison began to shake. The chains that were binding people were falling off. And in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that the people around you get delivered because you decided you want to war in worship. I pray that others benefit from your day of opportunity. Let your blessing keep them from stressing in Jesus' name. It would have been hard for Paul and Silas to fight the guards, to steal the keys, to unlock all of the prisoners. But because they worshiped God, God came down and went before them. They didn't have to scrap with security. They didn't have to war with the warden. As a matter of fact, the warden came running saying, what must I do to be saved? You guys don't belong here. Come to my house. Let me bandage up your wounds. Let me uh, uh, give you something to eat. It got easier when they began to worship. Deborah was the first to employ this military strategy, and that's probably why Barack wanted her with him. She set the precedent for worship as warfare. That's where Jehoshaphat got it from. And real talk, Deborah was going through herself. Deborah says that there were people who didn't want to work with her. They weren't used to going to battle with a woman, so they refused to fight. They stayed home and made excuses on why they could not be involved. Read the second verse. She names them all and shares all of their excuses. They didn't want to be involved, and she's like, that's okay. God did. God showed up. God fought for me. God fought with me. The heavens fought. The stars, the angels fought my enemies. This was the day. It was the day of opportunity. It was the day that began uh, where Barack thought it was over. This was the day that he started out feeling down, but God told him to get up and go. And because he chose to obey, his most stressed day became his most blessed day. This was the day of opportunity. Lord, when it gets hard, when we get down, help us to obey so that our stressing can be turned into a blessing. Kevin Hart tells a story when he first uh, began to do comedy full time. He knew he wasn't going to get paid a whole lot of money. And so he worked out this agreement that his mom would cover his rent for the first year. And she encouraged him, she believed in him, but she encouraged him to stay close to God 
And she gave him a Bible and said, and I want you to read your Bible. And like, yeah, yeah, mom, thanks. So uh, month one comes and he's ready for his rent. He goes to get his money and, and she wants to know how he's doing. And, and if he's been reading his Bible, no, I haven't had time. I haven't read the Bible. Well, go read your Bible and then come talk to me about rent. But mom, come on, the, the, the landlord doesn't care about my Bible. Go read your Bible and then talk to me about rent. Well, he wasn't going to read the Bible, and she wasn't going to talk to him about the rent. And so the next month came, and the next month, they kept having this conversation. Go read your Bible and then talk to me about rent. And uh, Kevin was getting annoyed. He was getting upset. And now he was getting an eviction notice. Now this had gone too far. And he wanted to go uh, bless his mother out. He wanted to go let her know how he really felt about this thing. But he knew that she was not going to talk to him. She would say that same speech, go read your Bible and then talk to me about rent. So he snatched his Bible so he could read it so he could go talk to her about rent. He opens the Bible and finds that she put a year's worth of rent checks in the Bible. I'm trying to tell you on the day that he obeyed, his stressing turned to blessing. And there are many of us who are wondering why things are going the way that they're going. We are hurt that things are so hard. We are hoping that our Father would treat us better than this. We're wondering how God could allow such things. One person said, I, Pastor, I wish God didn't trust me so much. He has miscalculated. This is surely more than I can bear. And I found out that in this season, that God is not torquing down trials, but he's raising people up so that no matter what the enemy throws your way, you will not just be a conqueror, but you will be more than a conqueror. You will be an overcomer. He is just waiting for the magnificence within you to manifest. There are some things on the inside of you that won't come out, that won't come forth until you get between a rock and a hard place. There are some things on the inside of you that are designed to come forth in the midst of hard times. God knew Barak had courage and might within him. God knew that he would chase down chariots, the same ones that held him in captivity for 20 years. But it didn't happen until he deployed the enemy against him. It didn't happen until the road got rough and the going got tough and the hills became hard to climb. There was a boy named Austin. He was 15 years old. He was outside working on a car with his grandpa. Uh, Austin was in the car and grandpa was under the car when it shifted and collapsed, crushing his grandpa. Austin jumps out of the car and lifts the car off of his grandfather. Did you hear what I just said? Now, if his grandfather had started the day, say, son, we're going to go out here, and I want you to lift up the car for me, Austin would not have been able to do it. But when the right situation presented itself, 
when it became do or die, when he was in the midst of a trial, when the future looked bleak, when he was between a rock and a hard place, there was something that unleashed on the inside of him. That was his day of opportunity. That was a day of stressing, but it turned into a day of blessing, and he found a strength that he never knew he had. Some of you are wondering what's going on in your lives and why. Why would God allow so much crazy in your life? It feels like life has shifted and is trying to crush you. But I declare to you today that there is a strength rising up in you, a strength that you didn't know you had. There is courage and creativity. There is strength and stamina. There is toughness and triumph that is blossoming. There is a resilience that is ready to be released. You've been in the pressing. You've seen the stressing. But now it's time for the blessing. Dick Eastman said, praise makes space for God in your problem. Praise gives him room to work. He wants to fight for you, but you have to make room for him. You've got to give him a hallelujah in a hard place. You've got to magnify him in the midst of the mess. Appraise the Lord in the place of problems. And adoration when everyone else has attitudes. Bless the Lord even in the face of betrayal. Move over pain. This is a place for his presence. To the left, depression. I'm making space for devotion. Scoot over suffering. I'm trying to celebrate my Savior because I found out that when we war, when we worship, he wars. And when we praise, he protects. When we sing, he scraps. When we rejoice, he rumbles. When we bow, he battles. We give him glory and he releases the fury on our problems, on our enemy, on the troubles, on our fears, on our trials, on our worries, on the devil himself. When our praises go up. God himself comes down. I wonder, is there anybody in here who is willing to try this? I mean, is there anybody willing to wake up early tomorrow morning uh, before anybody has a chance to look at you wrong or talk to you wrong? You're saying, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to sing my song. I'm going to give God glory. I want to come in agreement with the heavens to declare the glory of the Lord. Is there anybody in here who's willing to make space for God in the center of their circumstance? Anybody? who's saying, God, uh, uh, while I praise you, go ahead of me and, and begin working on those problems. While I worship you, go ahead and work it out. Is there anybody willing to say, this is the day that I will obey? This is the day that my stressing is turning into blessing. If that is your prayer, I want you to go ahead and raise your hand with me. Hallelujah. Father, you see our hands you see our hearts. Father, we come willing to give you glory. Some of us have sickness in our bodies, but we praise you as healer. 
Some of us have tears in our eyes and we praise you as comforter. Some of us have heaviness before us and we praise you as the lifter of our heads. We're making room for you in our situations, our circumstances, our problems, our joys, our families, our marriages, our everything. Father, we worship you. Give us the stamina that even when it's hard that we still have a hallelujah. Give us what we need, oh God, to continue on so that our day of stress can still be a day that's blessed. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.